Hey, let's go answer the bell, huh? If we just know what we're doing, work at it, and concentrate and do it. And welcome into another episode of the Patriots Podcast. I'm Sean here with JJ. Hello. We are coming to you without our the third leg of our stool. Uh, Ryan's got to be out this week, but I think JJ and I can go back to our roots and cover it. Yeah, we can handle it. Yeah, we can handle it. So we're going to talk about the first two Patriots uh, preseason games, talk a little bit about the roster cutdowns and just everything that's going on around Foxborough Stadium. Uh the first game that happened a couple weeks ago, uh, at the beginning of August, Patriots hosted the Washington football team. It's too bad Ryan's not here to talk about it. He loves the football team. Loves them. Loves the football team, yep. The uh, <laughs> I think the, the overriding play that everybody was talking about afterwards was Chase Young suplexing Cam Newton. Well, I mean, he totally tossed aside Isaiah Wynn right before that. Yeah. Not the best play from a Patriots perspective, but... Uh, I suppose it illustrated that Cam Newton was just sitting still in the pocket and not progressing through his reads and getting the ball out quickly. And and also the fact that Isaiah Wynn is overmatched by Chase Young, who is one of the early favorites for Defensive Player of the Year. But what were some of the other initial readouts that you had from the game? Um, you know, one of the main things, and this has kind of been a theme at least for the last two games, well, First of all, it was just great to see Dante Hightower out there. I haven't seen him suit up in over a year. Uh, another small note, J.C. Jackson looked like he was playing uh, at a pretty high level. But Matt Judon, man, this dude was a big signing in the offseason. I think he got like $56 million over four years. Um, he's played for the Ravens, as we've known, for the last couple of years. Never, like, was always a really good player for them. Never took that next step. Never had, you know, a ton it never was near the top of the league in sacks and stuff like that but a very solid good player didn't know if we overpaid him or not but just from the first two preseason games really uh the, he's the dude's all over the place high motor just blowing people up in the backfield uh blowing up the tackles when he's lined up against them getting sacks i mean the guy everywhere looks like getting a big contact um very impressed by him. Very impressed by him. Uh, I hope it continues into the season. And, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's mainly my number one. The other one, uh, if you know, well, a couple other ones. Another big one is Jacoby Myers. Guy can't be covered. Cannot be covered. Killing it. Killing it. Undrafted free agent. It's amazing because we line him up next to, uh, you know, good old Nikhil Harry. Ryan, if you were here, would be defending him, I'm sure. I don't know about after the last game, but Nikhil Harry, you know, number one pick that year. Jacoby Myers, late round, not even a pick, uh, undrafted free agent. And Myers is just all over the field, great hands, runs a great route, not the fastest, most athletic guy, but just does his job and does it well. Uh, really, really encouraging to see that. Those are such great points. And I just want to jump back. I mean, obviously, Jacoby Myers has been sticking out, and he stuck out last year when nobody else could get open. Like literally nobody else on the entire team could get open with Edelman yeah. sidelines. And Myers was the focal point and he delivered even though he was getting all the attention for fences. The, I, I, Matthew Judon is also my biggest takeaway from the preseason so far in the first two games where it's just, there were games last season when it just felt like we couldn't, we couldn't stop the run at all. And the biggest mm -hmm. issue with that was we couldn't set the edge. 
We yeah. we're, we're playing. Sometimes we had to put defensive tackles at defensive end because we just couldn't stop people from getting to the edge. And mm. he is that prototypical outside linebacker slash defensive end. And it doesn't matter what you want to call him. He's one of those yeah. guys that just stops the line of scrimmage right there. And he doesn't even look that big. But then you look at the... He doesn't look super big. Yeah, he doesn't. He looks very trim. But then you you pick up the roster and he's 265. And you're like, oh, yeah, you're right. He's massive. And he's there just totally shutting down any movement on that side of the line. Plus, he's got pass rush upside to him as well. And I I, I think we talked about it previously. Did you make it back? Me? You back I'm there? here. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm back here. I just shut the video off. I'm sorry. No, that's cool. That's cool. It's probably the right move. It's getting a little sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to jump back in. Hit it when you want. We talked that he was probably going to be at 29 years old with the, the amount of seasons that he has under his belt in a really good defensive situation in Baltimore, that he was going to hit, hit the ground running. He was going to be one yeah. of those guys that fit in right away and was just going to be able to move. And so far, it looks exactly like that, where... Where you could absolutely you could contrast that to some of the other players that we brought in, somebody like let's say Nelson Aguilar or Jonu Smith, some somebody who's more of a projection into our system, whereas Matthew Judon is just a plug and play upgrade at everything mm-hmm. at that strong side defensive end slash outside linebacker position. So I've I've been super pleased with him. And also you brought up Dante Hightower, who's a very similar uh, physical profile, although he plays more in the middle than on the edge. Uh, yeah. Hightower looks, does he look slim to you? I'm wondering, like, what, what are looks they doing? Looks a little lean. What are they, yeah. He looks leaner. I think he looks leaner, too. And, and maybe it's a good thing for him uh, health-wise, considering how many years did he miss three, four games in a season. Yeah. Uh, although he's one of the toughest guys out there and played through so many injuries in the playoffs. But it's just, what a boost. When you compare it to last year, when you looked at our linebacking core, Oh, it's insane. And you're like, Juwan Bentley is our best linebacker out there. Holy cow. And now he's maybe fourth on the depth chart. You got Hightower, Judon, Kyle Van Noy. We still haven't seen Therese Hall, who was one of my favorite players last year because he just lights up backs in the hole. Uh, so they're, they're yeah. just in a phenomenally Uche better too. position. Was, Uche looked great the first game. He was got a lot of time. He actually was a little banged up. I think it was an ankle injury last week. So you got him too. Uh, Harvey Lange was making plays in the last second game there. But, yeah, you're right. It's just the overall depth that at that position. Afrony Jennings is there, too. We really didn't haven't seen – I don't know if we've seen a lot of him. I can't, I can't really pick out who he is. I think he's 58, right? We haven't seen much of him. But it's the same along the lines, as you kind of mentioned, on the defensive line, where last year, right, we, you know, we couldn't stop the run. We had to put Dietrich Wise in the middle, which was not his position. Now he's playing at left defensive end. Uh, which seems right where you want him, which is also nice, too, because he's had the experience on the inside, so he has that perspective, plus he plays on the outside, which is great. And just the other guys up front. I mean, they got a lot of big dudes up front. You got, like, that front line that they play. That dude, Henry Anderson, was an interior tackle for the Jets. He's now playing defensive end for us and run-heavy schemes. Uh, Godshaw, I haven't really seen a lot of pop from him, but... He looks pretty good. He's supposed to be pretty good. Lawrence guy, we kind of know what he brings. Uh, the defensive line last game started slow, but started picking up as it went along. Um, you know, you got Carl Davis. He's another big dude in there. Nick Thurman has played a little bit. Um, our, our first round pick, um, as the second round pick, I'm sorry, uh, 
I'm blanking on his name right now. Christian Barmore. I'm a damn death jar here. But Barmore, thank you. Um, he did not look out of place. He was fighting off double teams in the second game. He didn't play the first game due to injury. But he looked like he can definitely has something, some foundation to build on on the defensive line. And even the dude, the undrafted dude last year, Bill Murray, in the second game, he was lighting <laughs> dudes up in the second half. I knew it was, I know it was against bad talent and everything, but he looked like one of the better players out there against the scrubs, which is, you know, nice to see. Yeah, you bring up great point on the defensive line. It, it, it's a totally different unit than it was last year, and. Carl Davis is my takeaway. He started game two against the Eagles at nose tackle, and he he looked good. He's a big dude. He was so powerful at Iowa. He was one of those guys where, kind of like Barmore when he came out of college, where when he turned it on, he was unstoppable, but he was so inconsistent. And that, that inconsistency has carried its way through into his professional career. But I think he just looks tremendous right now. Yeah. I'll, I'll, Looks, I, I, I paused I mean, he's, it. He's a big dude. I paused it. I'll, ju- I'll just jump back in a Fuck. sec. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> and that displayed itself by starting uh, the, the second game of the preseason ahead of some highly priced offseason acquisitions like Devon Godshaw and Henry Anderson, yeah. as you mentioned. Uh, Carl Davis is one of my sneaky guys to make the, the 53-man roster. Another guy mm-hmm. to note on the defensive line, Montrevis Adams. I, I know I'm a homer for Auburn, but he was a terrific player at Auburn, and he's kind of been very so-so after being a mid-round pick in the NFL. But he's another guy that got a ton of time in the first game, less so in game two. I think he's going to be on the outside looking in, but it's it just goes to show what type of talent they have, one through five at defensive tackle, that, that he won't make this team most likely. Yeah. I mean, they got a lot of depth on defense overall. I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys getting cut this year um, that, you know, are going to get picked up by other teams. And, you know, you go even to the secondary here. Uh, things are a little a little weird without Stefan Gilmore. Um, they've been trying J- Jalen Mills on the outside, which I don't think is really working. And they put Jojo on there, which I'm not super thrilled about, but, like, this guy's got to figure it out soon if he wants to do anything. And he kind of held his own last week. Um against Devonta Smith, which is, you know, tough cover. I know it's a rookie, but still, looked decent there. Johnny Jones really didn't play much. Um, you know, we know the safeties, Devin McCourty, Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips. Duggar seems to be building on what he started last year. So, if anything, maybe a little bit light at cornerback at the moment without Gilmore. Hopefully they get that figured out. We really don't know what's going on with that, right? There really hasn't been a lot of news. There's been... I think he's getting paid to just... There's some kind of deadline coming up too. The pup list deadline. I think they got to figure that out. Yeah, you have to be promoted to the 53-man roster before the final cutdown. Otherwise, you have to sit out at least six weeks. Yeah, right. So they got to figure that shit out. Hopefully, they bring them back because if they bring them back, this is the makings of a really good deep defense. Agreed. Yeah, there are really no holes at any any position. You got backups. Uh, this rookie, Ronnie Perkins, is getting getting a lot of time. They're getting a lot of looks at him. He's the third-round pick this year. Um, you know, you got Chase Winovich. Looked like he showed up a little bit last week in the second game, and he was having some issues that we know. But, he's you know, he's still a pass-rushing specialist, which is great that you just don't need to put him in those situations to, to run block, which he's not good at. Yeah, and that, that's something we didn't even bring up is that there's a whole second unit that's meant for strictly pass rush. 
where you you bring yeah. in Chase Winovich, you bring in Josh Uche, and they are speed demons off the outside. You move Kyle Van Noy and Hightower into those that double A gap look. Maybe Judon slides and and he runs some some uh, some end tackle stunts alongside Uche or Winovich, and and you can really get after the passer. And if you got the the bodies on the back end to cover up, and you got you can send five of those premier athletes at the quarterback. We're going to be in Ooh. real good shape. So on early downs, we can set yeah. the edge. We we can stop the run. We can play in that base, that nickel base look, and then we sub into that dime package, and we can get after the quarterback and cover on the back end. And with Bill Belichick uh, creating the scheme, Matt Patricia being there as an advisor, Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo, two defensive minds on the rise. They got all the coaches that you need to make that scheme as good as it can be. And any of those people who are out there yeah. listing defenses who are going to be great this year, do not sleep on the Patriots defense. They are easily a top 10 unit. Easily, easily top 10. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you said it all right there. Just just a lot of depth and people that, you know, a big thing too that gets overlooked is when you have to lean on guys to do a lot when it's before their time. Like last year, Afrini Jennings, Juan Bentley come to mind immediately. Uh, even Duggar a little bit, Adrian Phillips out of position. You know, now they have that experience, and now they're back in position, and now you don't have to lean on them as much. And now, like you said, now they might be the third or fourth guy at their position instead of the first or second. So it's like, okay, those are your backups now. Those aren't your starters this year. Last year's starters are this year's backups to some extent, which just does a ton for your defense. It gives you just a lot of options, a lot of depth takes care you know it gives you a buffer for injury all you know the whole the whole thing um now on offense uh, i didn't mention mac jones as i'm sure we're going to get into that it was very i personally was very impressed by him but before i even get to him i just want to talk about Ramondre stevenson real quick of course and by the way dude's a just, fucking beast <laughs> we must we must be the only people talking about the patriots on the podcast that are not immediately talking about the quarterback situation. Even when we switch to offense, we immediately want to talk about the running backs. Ramondre Stevenson, holy cow, could he have exceeded expectations any more than he already has? I mean, I love what Damian Harris is doing. Obviously, our offensive line looks really good, except for a couple of plays that um, Isaiah Wynn had issues with. Talent there. Um, but, dude, I mean, I, lo- I love what Damian Harris does. I feel like Sony Michelle's running hard. We know what James White brings. J.J. Taylor looks great. Very, very shifty. But Ramondre Stevenson, what's a secondary talent? Like a different type of one. Like he's got the tools that you need. Not to say that he's Harris or anything at this point, but just to have him, like he's got that stop on a dime shiftiness. And he's like 230 pounds. A big, big dude. So it's like to have that with. Um, our whole stable of running backs and our offensive line and everything. Holy crap. I mean, this guy within the next few years could be a serious, serious running back, like top five. I'm not even overplaying that. <laughs> you might be overplaying it after two preseason games, one of which was exclusively against backups. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I t- I'm picking up what you're putting down that Ramondre Stevenson, Ramondre Stevenson has been, uh, the highlight offensively for the Patriots and even with the way the Mac Jones is. I, I just don't know how Belichick and the personnel group could envision what he looks like right now when you put on the tape of him at Oklahoma and he's playing at 247 pounds and he can't run away from a linebacker, never mind a defensive back. And then 
now he gets into the Patriots system. He's 225, 227, somewhere in that range. And he he has a 91-yard touchdown where he runs away from defensive backs. And I'm like, how? And then he's moving laterally way differently than I ever saw him do at college. I'm like, how did they know? How did they? It must have been all those pre-draft workouts because I, I don't see it in the film. But when I, I put him on and watch him, he's, like you said, he's a, he's a big, powerful back. And when he gets downhill and squares his shoulders, he reminds me a lot, a yeah. lot of Stephen Ridley, the way he does that. Um and maybe that's not the biggest compliment in the world. That, but okay. It's not the biggest compliment in the world, but that was the best part of Ridley's game. But at the same time, he's got patience and lateral movement, and he's got more speed no. than I ever would have thought he had. And I, I, it's just been a joy to watch him. And I, he's ahead of Sony Michelle on my depth chart right now, and he's pushing Damian yeah, Harris. Well, he's a different back than Damian, but he's pushing him. I mean, like you said, he, I, I. I still love what Damian does, and I think he's been running. He's gonna be. He look, Damian looks like he added a lot of muscle, which is great, and I think it's gonna take a lot of time for Stevenson to, you know, overtake Harris, um, especially since he's been running against the backups. But you're right. I mean, the the running away from guys. It wasn't only that he ran away from the defenders; they were catching up, and he put in another gear. Like he just he like knew and so we must have saw on the big screen or whatever and picked it up. Like he. They were gaining him, and he put another gear, and nobody caught him. I was like, "Wow, I haven't seen that in a Patriots game in a long time." And, Even if it is preseason, and it was the end of the fourth quarter, he should have been tired. He already had like fourteen carries. Yeah, he put the Jets on. He wanted to get a touchdown. I mean, it, it, he looks like no one's going to stop him at goal line, obviously against lesser talent. But just the whole running back stable in general, we knew this was going to be uh, a you know the best part of their offense, the strongest part of their offense was going to be their running game. Because of their offensive line, um, because of their depth at running back. But you're right. I mean, you know, between him, Sony, and Ramondre Stevenson, it's like, and James White, and maybe J.J. Taylor. Hopefully he makes the team too if you can carry that many guys. I don't know, you know, Brandon Bolden. Hope, love Brandon Bolden, special teams, all that. But you, I would be, I'd feel pretty bad if they cut one of these talented players over Bolden and kept favored Bolden. Agreed. Because of his special teams prowess at this point. It's like, find somebody else for special teams. Put Stevens in there, for Christ's sake. He's huge. The, guy's playing, the guy played cornerback in the first game, which just shows you, <laughs> like, he's athletic. He wants to be out there. Put him out there. So if you could get, you know, Damian Harris, your main guy, you have Sony with fresh legs, you have Stevenson with fresh legs, you have White as your third down back, passing back. And, you know, they're all catching the ball well. They look I'm, I'm I'm impressed with the running game. I mean, we might have the best running back uh, room in the, in the league right now. Well, perhaps the deepest, well, top to bottom. Yeah, maybe top to bottom. Obviously, there there are teams out there with an Alvin Kamara or somebody like that where we don't have the, that same skill level. I, I think JJ Taylor has done Dalvin. enough. Dalvin Cook, exactly. I think JJ Taylor has done enough to make this team. He he looks dynamic. Uh, I I worry about the way he protects himself. I think he puts himself uh, in position to take too many hits up top. But he's just he's a spinorama. He's got so much juice to him. He can be our kick returner if you want to have some special teams flex there. I think Stevenson could totally play on the punt teams. I think Brandon Bolden is not in competition with any of these running backs. I think he's in competition with Brandon King. And I know that Brandon King is one of the favorites of Bill Belichick. So I expect King to be on the team. And as much as I love Brandon Bolden, I just don't think he's going to make this team this year without showing up at all in the pre. Let's yeah. talk. Yeah. Let's talk a bit about the offensive line. 
which is it's like uh, once again the depth that they've built this team with is is fantastic that yeah that starting unit is intimidating holy cow when they walk out there and you see trent brown over there and you see some some pro bowl caliber players in every other position across the offensive line you're like there's no weak link there's no attack attack uh avenue no. for a defense and they're all strong run blockers. We are we already know Shaq Mason and Michael Onwenu are really strong run blockers. Isaiah Wynn and Trent Brown, holy shit. David Andrews is captaining the whole thing, so we know that at least somebody is is a thinking man on the offensive line. And then w- when we're going to add to that a couple really strong blocking tight ends and Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, potentially a fullback, and it's just our running game is going to be dynamic. It's going to be nearly unstoppable, and plus... All those guys have pass rush ability. I mean, pass protection ability on the offensive line. It, it, there's no weak link. I'm just so stoked about yeah. it. And they have backups. Ted Karras is playing in the third quarter. Ted Karras was a starter in Miami last year. We have we have Justin mm-hmm. Heron as a swing tackle, a guy who's really good, who played a lot of tight end in the game against the Eagles, mostly because of all the injuries to the other tight ends on the team. And then yeah. Yanni Kajust really stuck out to me against the Eagles. He is a big, powerful guy. Left tackle, came out of West Virginia. You're not the first one to say that. I was so jacked up when we drafted him out of West Virginia two years ago, and then he's been injured both years. But then to see him play left tackle, get his hands on people, and they couldn't do shit after he touched him. You look at him, he's got the neck roll. He's got everything you want in an intimidating offensive lineman. And that dude is potentially our fourth or fifth tackle. And we're we're only going to carry seven to eight offensive linemen. I think he should definitely make the team. I think Heron should make the team. And then Ted Karras as the swing guy on the inside. And we're just basically stacked. And then hopefully we can push a couple guys onto our practice squad. But offensive line is just so good. Yeah, uh, Kajust, and I've heard um, Greg Dard writes, uh, you know, he he makes appearances on 98.5, and he was talking him up, basically saying how he looks out there at tackle to match his size. And he said the same thing as you. You know, I, I really wasn't paying a ton of attention. I noticed he was playing well. Um, but just that he killed it against the Eagles. He was he was a player against the Eagles, which is huge. Another player that you didn't even mention was James Ferentz, who was playing really well the last couple games. He might get cut. I mean, it's it's this team is there's going to be some people cut on this team that go get picked up pretty quickly for other teams. Um, you know, not production out of the tight ends yet, just because they've been a little banged up. John o. Smith had a couple really good plays in the first game, just to show that he can catch the ball and run and block, which is great. Uh, he had a holding penalty that negated a good play, but he came back and made a really good play down the sideline uh, with the ball in his hands. So I'm expecting good things out of the tight ends. We really haven't gotten a sit. going to be a big part of this passing game just because of our kind of lack of depth at um, out of receiver. Um, as we can go over now, I guess Jacoby Myers, as you mentioned, I mean, the guy's been killing it. He's, a, he's becoming a number one receiver. In front of our eyes, I know you know he might play the slot. I think he can play outside too at this point. Um, just a good overall player. We haven't really seen a lot out of Algalore. Really hasn't just done anything in the games. I heard he hasn't done a ton in practice. He's a fast guy. Uh, had a couple issues with drops and practice and stuff. But you know, if he's our number two, I'm happy. If Myers can elevate himself to number one and Aguilar can be our number two, great. Kendrick Bourne looks like a decent possession receiver. Um, not super special, thin guy, lean guy, catches the ball well, you know, 
can get open in uh, zone, but really just Myers in zone. He's like one of those guys that just knows the soft spot. I don't know if that's because of his ex-quarterback skills or what, but he knows the game and he knows where to go. Really like it. Uh, Gunner has looked good, punt returning. He can get open. <laughs> he makes some plays. Yeah. You know, nothing great, but as a fourth or fifth receiver, okay. You've seen this dude Christian Wilkerson come in a little bit. That's played all right. Nikhil Harry, everyone was saying he was looking good and this, that, and the other thing. Fucking Mac put a dime to him on last week against the Eagles. And just a super unathletic play by Nikhil. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. He probably could have caught it in stride. He dove for the ball. He went all out. He wanted it. That's great. And then he knocked himself out. So, yeah, I don't know what to say about that one. <laughs> kind of embarrassing, if anything. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, use different words, but I was going to say that he should have caught it. He didn't catch it. And then he hurt himself. And he hurt himself to the extent that he's probably going to wind up on the IR again. And He's so big out there, dude. It's like, you know? Yeah. He looks huge. He it's is like, huge. What is wrong with this? I know. I know. It's it's frustrating to watch a guy that looks like he's got every advantage and just can't seem to cash it in. I don't... Yeah. I think, I think he really... He had an opportunity. It sounded like from the reports coming out of training camp that he was building momentum and then he gets injured. And it's really a question of whether he winds up on the season long IR or if they're going to carry him to the 53 man roster, then put him on IR and give him the opportunity to come back at some point in the season. But uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty disappointing. And to his training camp preseason run on a play that was right there for him to make. And for every good report that we heard coming out of training camp, you just didn't see it in the games. In either of the games, he didn't stand out once. He played a ton of snaps against Washington. He was already playing a lot of snaps against Philly. And just there was there was nothing. There was no takeaway. There was no product no. That, he, that he produced out there. You make a good point about Aguilar. I think Aguilar is going to work in. He's, he's, he's a low usage player. I think he only had like 45 catches last year. Although he had like 900 yards because he is that big play specialist. So there's going to be weeks where he doesn't produce at all. And some of those might be starting in the preseason. But when he does produce, he produces in a big way. And I mean, he led the league in drops previously. So drops have always been a problem for him. I wouldn't expect that to change as he enters his like age 28 season. And then Kendrick Bourne is, like you said, he's the number three option. Think the absolute ceiling for Kendrick Bourne with us is Brandon LaFell. That is the ceiling. So if if he yeah, performs even close to that, point. it's very successful. Uh, and he, that's pretty much his specialty is working the sideline and working slants. And that's really it, mostly slants. So expect him to produce on on that scale. And then deeper in the depth chart, you mentioned Gunner. Gunner's going to make the team as a special teams player. He plays on, I think, like four special teams units and, and was a pro bowler as a yep. punt returner. But then behind that, it's a question of, is it Nikhil Harry? Is it Isaiah Zuber? Or is it Christian Wilkerson? Only one of those guys is going to make the team. And what might end up happening is Harry makes the team for a day and then goes on IR and they have a wink-wink, nudge-nudge deal with Wilkerson and or Zuber. And they're like, look, there's going to be a roster spot open in 24 hours. All you got to do is turn down any offer from another team and come on back with us. Unless a team claims them on waivers, in which case they don't have that option. Right. But that's pretty much how I see it playing out is those three guys fighting over that last roster spot. And I really think Harry's going to wind up on IR one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, I would. you'd like to keep Harry just because... He, he, it's tough to give on up up on a first round pick so soon. 
maybe he just needs time to develop. I don't know. I mean, he's got the physical traits. It's just these all the other things that you like the other intangibles that it doesn't seem like he's got. It's it's odd. It's you know, it's not like a Chad Jackson situation years ago where Chad Jackson was just in the wrong place all the time. Couldn't catch the ball when he was in the right place. Yeah. Like, he was just a train wreck. And, and, you know, not to say that Harry is, you know, got a lot going more than that, but it's like Harry looks the part. He looks like he should be out there. He looks like it makes sense. He can block, which is not really a big trait for receivers, but on this team it is. He can block. He's got big hands. He can out-jump people. He's generally in the right place this year. In parts of last year, it wasn't like, you know, he was lining up wrong and couldn't understand. I mean, Chad Jackson was literally not in the right place most of the time. Like, that guy had no idea. Harry doesn't look like that. He looks like he's in the right place. It's just when he gets to the right place, he gets the ball in his hands or the ball is thrown to him, he, like, it's like a fucking slapstick show. He, like, trips over his huge feet and the ball goes flying and it's like all of a sudden, it's almost like as he got so nervous or something that everything goes wrong as soon as he's supposed to get the ball. I don't get it. <laughs> Hopefully you can figure that out. Well put. Well put. Okay, so should we talk about the kickers or should we finally get to the money spot and talk about the quarterbacks? I think we should go quarterback. We can talk to the kickers real quick. <laughs> you want to go quarterback? Let's go quarterback. The, uh, the, well, kick, the, the kickers kicker... are really quick. I mean, it's Quinn Norton looked great and then... And then he looked bad. Last week he missed, what, three extra points? So, <clears throat> Yeah, he looked great, then he looked bad. And Nick Folk still isn't available to go yet. He just, so. came back today. just came back today. There you go. So we'll probably see both of them on Sunday against the Giants. They'll make a call from there. Folk's job. It's Take Folk's job, right? Just lost. I think I think Folk, uh, I think Norton lost it for himself with all those extra, missed extra points. Hope they can land on the practice squad, you know? Yeah, he totally possibly could. He's got such a bigger leg than Folk. He's got way more upside, but Folk is just steady Eddie from 42 yards and in. That's where the money is made. So, quarterback. Uh, Patriots have three quarterbacks on the roster. Cam, Mac, Brian Hoyer. Uh, I I love, I can't remember if we went over this in the podcast, but Cam and Mac are just such polar opposites, like going all the way to their, their first names. And when you try to fit them both into one offense, it's like, how, what, what kind of job does Josh McDaniels and that whole staff have to do to fit Cam Newton, who is this big, tall, running, powerful quarterback with Mac Jones, who wants to make a decision in like one and a half seconds and get the ball out and doesn't exactly throw the ball with a ton of power down the field. Uh, the, the takeaways that I have so far, number one about Mac Jones, well, yeah, number one about Mac Jones, makes decisions quickly, mostly pre-snap, delivers the ball accurately, on time, and quickly, and hasn't, he's very accurate down the field, as evidenced by that throw to Nikhil yeah. Harry, and uh, I believe in game one to Gunnar Olszewski, he had a really accurate throw down the field, with nice touch. One would, one person real deep. Yeah, that's true. And then... Uh, he had one where the announcer was talking about it last week against the Eagles, where he he did a double crow hop and threw an in route about 15 yards down the field, and the guy like did a handstand. The announcer did on NFL Network because oh my god, he I didn't know he had arm strength, and look at that. And I was like, he threw a 15 yard pass with double crow hop, and yeah, it came yeah. out pretty fast. Duh. Conversely, Cam Newton, one of the big question marks that we had. Uh, number one was quick decision-making, which he doesn't seem to have improved on that at all. 
Number two was the health of his shoulder and the arm strength. And holy cow, against the Eagles, he was throwing BBs. Those were fucking darts he was shooting out. He was. It, it, yeah. sh- it should be noted, and it, it must be noted, that the Eagles did not play a single defensive starter, it didn't seem like. And no. he, Cam Newton could not have been more comfortable in the pocket. He was sitting there, hanging out, stepping up, doing whatever the heck he wanted to do. Guys were wide open down the field. They were also but, in max max protect. Yeah, but he was throwing darts, and that, that speaks to the health of his shoulder. Yeah, I mean, I thought the first game Cam did not look good. I thought it was a lot of the same thing that we saw last year, which wasn't great. Part of it, I have a pretty good feeling that it seems – like the coaches on the Patriots said, you cannot run the ball in preseason. Do not, whatever you do, run the damn ball out of the pocket because we don't want to get you hurt, which is understandable. So I feel like maybe that made him a little shaky in the first game. As you said, in the second game against the Eagles, he looked more decisive. He looked more comfortable. Part of that's the max protect. Part of that's Eagles weren't playing a lot of starters. Uh, the whole, you know, that whole thing. And, Matt, and, and Cam looked somewhat of the part, finally. And once again, how long is that going to last? Is that going to last three games? Is that going to last 16 games? Who fucking knows? Um, I feel like at this point, we know what we're going to get from Cam. Uh, he still has issues pointing out blitzes and, and, like you said, versus Mac pre-reads and adjustments and all that stuff. And then you have Mac Jones who comes in. And like you said, it's pretty much the polar opposite. The quick decision-making. The quick decision making with accuracy is the thing we've been looking for. That's what all I want the quarterback. He gets up there, the ball is out within two seconds. He knows where it's going. It's in a tight window. He's thrown a lot of passes in very tight windows, which I didn't know he was that accurate. And he's he's a damn accurate guy throwing that football. He enjoys throwing the football. Like it's like the t- you know it's it's one of those things. Tom Brady comes out. I want to throw it a hundred times in, out of a hundred times in a game. Looks like that's what Mac Jones wants. He wants to come out. He wants to fire the ball all around. That's what he enjoys, which is great. I really like that. But just the quick decision-making. I mean, he's the ball is out. He's not looking for the perfect play. He's just looking for a tiny window. All right, guy's open. Boom. Throw it to him. You know, simple roots. Doesn't really matter. Uh, he has really good pocket awareness. Um, I've, you know, in practice, you've heard things, he's throwing picks, he's getting a little, he got frustrated sometimes, things like that, completely normal for rookies, but I'm very happy with what they came around with because you see these other quarterbacks on these other teams, I don't, you know, regardless of talent around them and other things, Trevor Lawrence apparently looks really tough against the rush. His offensive line is dog shit. He looks scared as shit. Um, Kyle Wilson looks pretty damn good throwing the football, but it's against the Jets. They've lost a lot of guys already. We've seen that story play out a few times. Maybe it's different from them this time, but he was also the second pick overall. We never had a chance. Trey Lance went 5 for 15 in his first game. Had a great pass, a dime, downfield, but overall couldn't throw the ball. Justin Fields looks like he is as much of a running quarterback as a passing quarterback. For all the chances we have, had to get different quarterbacks it was going to be between trey lance justin fields and mac jones at this point i'm pretty happy at this point in time with mac jones based on his playing style based on how he gets rid of the ball based on his decision making it's good stuff it's good stuff. enough for Newton? i don't think so now, i don't know if that changes with the news we got today or yesterday 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 yeah excellent synopsis uh what you were referring to yesterday, we're recording this on Tuesday the 24th. Yesterday, Cam Newton, uh, news came out that he 
went on a trip of some sort and got tested in a way that for medical purposes yeah they said it was a medical visit and he got covid tested in a way that did not comply with nfl and nflpa rules and the what happens when that when that occurs is that the guy has to sit out five days and the subtext to that is cam newton is not vaccinated because vaccinated players do not are not subjected to that five-day holdout so Ipso facto, they kind of released some personal details about him, not directly, but indirectly, and now everybody knows that. So <clears throat> so Cam it will be out of the, the facility until Thursday, and that means he'll miss three days of practice, including one day of joint practices with the Giants, which they're doing this week in, in advance of their preseason game against the Giants and Joe Judge's team. So Cam has to take a step back from that perspective. Mac Jones gets even more repetitions with the first teamers uh, than he would have otherwise if he was splitting reps with Cam. You, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head about so many things. I feel more comfortable with Mac Jones already at quarterback than Cam Newton. It's, oh, my God. It, it sounds like you feel the Doesn't same Doesn't it way. just look so much better? It looks better. It feels Doesn't it better. Doesn't it look just so much better? Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. doubt. And <clears throat> one of the things – you mentioned all the other first-round rookie quarterbacks and, and the situations that they get launched into, and we we mentioned, uh, we we praised vociferously the Patriots' offensive line, and they deserve it, and that's the best situation for a rookie quarterback to come into is one where he can trust his protection. And if he's got the coaching from a Josh McDaniel, some guy that's that's been a head coaching candidate for every single year for the last decade, effectively, and he, he's able to give him that type of tutelage to to make those pre-snap reads, to know what he should do with the football even before the, the ball is on the move. It's just, it's the best situation you could put a rookie quarterback into. And yes, I know that compared to those other four uh, top 15 quarterbacks, he is the least physically imposing. But one of the things that showed through at his time at Alabama was his ability to make quick decisions, deliver the ball accurately and get the ball into the hands of his playmakers. And hopefully this team can, can build up some of those playmakers around him, And Nelson Aguilar can be that guy. And maybe they add more people in the years to come, but the foundation is set for Mac Jones right now. And I think Cam Newton will be the starter to begin the season. I think, unfortunately, given his history yep. in the past few years, he's more than likely to get banged up and it stinks because I'm, I'm a big Cam Newton fan and, and have been forever, but he's probably going to get banged up. And at that point, the level of play that he's able to produce and the level of play that Mac Jones is able to produce becomes uh, disproportionate, and they're going to need to make that move. And I think yeah. at that point, it's going to make a lot of sense for Mac because one of the things that I heard pointed out, which is a great point, is if you start Mac and he doesn't do well and then you have to bench him, yeah. what type of psycholo psychological imprint does that leave for him that maybe sticks with him longer than it would for for somebody like brian hoyer somebody that's way more established that has a ton of experience versus if you start with cam newton and you decide to make the move to mac jones then he's in a much better position to continue onwards and it's right. not like he hasn't spent time on the bench he's already spent time on the bench if he needs to go back there he can go back there but if you make him the day one starter and then have to bench him it's that that leaves some damage where yeah. it, it might be harder for him to bounce back later on. Yeah, I think that's a little more demoralizing. Um, you know, the whole camp situation this week uh, with the testing thing, I you know, the Patriots came out and covered him. I don't know what the hell happened there. I feel like that should be figured out. And <laughs> they, you know, 
what are you doing, pal? Or I, I, you know, I have no idea what he was doing. I don't really care what he was doing. I'm sure, it was fine. Just the fact that like the rules are there, the team knows the rules. You should know the rules. You have plenty of avenues, I'm sure, to find out what you need to do to make sure everything is fine, whether you're vaxxed or not. I don't need to get into all that whole thing. I mean, I would recommend the players get vaxxed just for everything, all the shit that's going on, and it's so easily available especially in Boston, um, like figure that out because you're fighting for a job right now and you're giving the other guy a lot more reps that he technically shouldn't have because you should be in there. So kind of shame on Cam for not figuring that whole thing. A little surprising that the Patriots backed him up. So I don't know what happened, but a little surprising. Yeah. Um, beyond that, you know, like you just said, I think I think a lot of people are in agreement that if Max starts week one, like you said, exactly as you said it. It's tough to go back. It's tough to bench him and go back to Cam and that whole thing. Is Cam going to be happy on the bench? I mean, there's a lot of things that are introduced there. My whole perspective on the thing is Mac Jones, he's a college player. This is his first time in the NFL. It's a lot harder hitting, a lot faster hits. Tough to get another extra game this year with 17 games. Uh, he went for a slide last week where he got up a little slowly. I don't know what that was about. I, you know, he's trying out this new knee brace. I don't know what that's about. He said, it, oh, just for safety, blah, blah, blah. Sure it is. I'd love to believe it all. But, you know, he, it's a little different. Things are moving faster. He probably didn't realize how fast these guys are coming <laughs> when he's out of the pocket running down the field. Like, oh, shit, these guys are fucking – I have no time. So what I'm getting at is I think if you start Cam, whenever he starts playing badly, he gets injured, more COVID crap, who knows what happens. But I think it, the, the shorter you can make Mac, Mac Jones' season, the more likely it is for him to be able to play a full full docket there or as long as you need him to. Because 17 games is a lot longer than any college player plays. The guy's not super big. He hasn't grown into his NFL body yet. He hasn't had the time to put into his body to get to that, to that physical standpoint he needs to be at. And it's like you put him in for three games, he could be broken by game four. Like... I'd much rather wait, see how much time you can get out of Cam at this point. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying that because all the podcasts leading up to training camp, it's like, <laughs> no, Cam, no, we don't want him, we don't want him. At this point, your team is pretty solid. If you can get anything out of Cam for a few weeks, I would do it. You give Mac a couple more couple more weeks, some more time to kind of develop the playbook, develop his body a little more, get a little more physical, and then hopefully by the time you do need him, he can last because that's the biggest thing to me is if he can last, you know, 17 games plus three preseason games and potentially, hopefully, playoff games. And that's a lot. I mean, that's over 20 football games. Totally. Yeah. That's a, that's a long time to ask uh, a rookie to, to stay on the field for, especially after a sh- uh, COVID shortened season last year in college football. Right. His only full season as a starter at Alabama. I mean, it's it's a pretty decent problem to have those those two quarterbacks. I think they could win with either of them. And what's nice is that they have the option to switch not only players but styles by by yeah. transitioning from a Cam led team to a Mac Jones led offense. And they have the I mean, coaching I've, I've staff. I've heard people say I've heard people say what you said about you know I think we'd win as many games with Cam as we would Mac. I don't know if I believe that. I think. Mac is going to make rookie mistakes, but at a certain point, Cam's arms is going to fall apart. Exactly. He's not going to be able to throw the ball eight weeks in. I think with a healthy Cam, 
and a healthy Mac Jones as they are right now, you have pretty equal chances to win any given okay. week against, a, let's say, an unknown opponent. There are some opponents they each one of them will match up better with sure. uh, than the other. But with both of them healthy, I think it's it's a pretty even race right now. I think Mac has a chance mm-hmm. to develop more, and Cam has probably a chance to regress more from a health perspective, unfortunately. Obviously, not wishing this on anybody, but uh, I, it's it's his... It's his track record at this point with this team and with with the Panthers previously. So where we stand right now, we have a deep team. We have almost every position looks really good. Uh, Quarterback is a bit of a question mark. Wide receiver, maybe there is a a lack of top-end talent at that spot, but we make up for it with our offensive line, the depth at running back, and our tight ends. And defensively, Mm -hmm. I think it's just a stalwart unit top to bottom. Everything's looking real good. Some good players, as we mentioned, are going to get cut from this team when they go to final uh, final cut down at the end of the month. We have a game on Sunday where I, th- I think a lot of those end-of-the-roster players are going to be on display, and I think we're going to see some people pop where it's going to go, oh, okay, you can't cut a guy like, let's say, Christian Wilkerson. Maybe he steps up into that role. Or maybe we see Carl Davis really assert himself and it's like no chance is Carl Davis getting put on the block for another team. Somebody like Justin Heron, maybe he has a tremendous right. day when he's allowed to play tackle instead of having to be that that third tight end because of injuries elsewhere. So I, th- I think it's going to be tremendously interesting. We're going to learn a lot of what comes out of these joint practices with Joe Judge and that Giants team, which is going to be operated very similarly to a Bill Belichick team, just given by yeah. the uh, the pedigree of the co- the coaches. So there's, there's a lot to look forward to here. And then even after that game, after final cutdowns, we get to fill out the practice squad, see what's going on with the injured reserve, where we can bring back unlimited players from the injured reserve this season with only, I think it's a three or five week gap between when they uh, go on the list and when they're available to join the active roster. I think again. I saw it three weeks. Three weeks. It's it's fantastic. I don't know why the NFL was so stringent about it before. It's like if somebody has a, a broken ankle, yeah. don't make a team put him on IR for the full season if he's going, only going to be out for a month. Like that's just so yeah. dumb. And finally they figured that, that out. I don't know where that rule came from. The other thing that I, you know, to expand on that a little bit with COVID and everything this year, I feel like it was a perfect opportunity to expand rosters just a little bit. I don't understand what we're still holding on to the 53 number four. I don't get where that math comes in, but like, why can't they expand it to 60? Well, why can't the full 53 men be active for a game? Why has it got to go down to 46? I mean, all there's these random rule. Like why do the rosters have to be smaller? Like, what's the point? Is it money? You guys don't want to pay people. Yes. I mean, at the bottom of the roster, you're talking about a couple million bucks. Like who cares at that point? Well, yeah, teams don't. They want that to go to the higher end players. Where the difference between a guy that's on not the active roster, not even counted against the cap. The end of the roster, it is. Is it? It, it is. Yeah, it's not during the off season when they have the top fifty-one oh, rule, right, which right, is the right, top fifty-one right. highest contracts. But during the regular season, both the active roster and the practice squad. Ah, uh, the practice or squad might them. not actually, but the active roster, all fifty-three guys count against the cap but the the guys at the back end of the roster make half a million dollars a year at the very minimum versus the guys in the practice squad might make like fifty thousand dollars so it's, it's a huge difference between yeah. those two things right but yeah sure. it's they're random numbers they're totally random numbers i'm not sure how they ever got settled on that and why it's still a thing but the point being yeah 
There's a lot to like about this football team. There's a lot we're going to learn in the next two weeks. And then before we know it, it's going to be September 12th, and we're going to be hosting the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. So I I can smell it's start, starting to get a little bit cool here in Minnesota, and I can just feel the fall coming. I was sitting around Sunday like, there's got to be something that I should be doing right now. There wasn't. Just yard work. But, oh, man, soon enough, it's just going to be football, <laughs> dawn to dusk. Yep, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. going to be great. So uh, that'll, that'll wrap up our episode here. Thank you all for listening. We will be back to talk about uh, final roster cuts either right before or right after. Maybe we'll do a little preview and do a little uh, recap afterwards. But there's a lot to look forward to in Patriots Nation. Mm-hmm. It is Things are looking up for the first time in a long time. Uh, and by a long time, I mean like 12 months. So it hasn't, hasn't been too long a ride for us. Yeah. But still, get excited, everybody out there. And thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Adios.